Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to the... This is the Whoop That Trick edition. This is that dub coming home to the Grizzlies in the grindhouse. I was there. I'm the good luck charm. Told my wife, I'm officially going back. But I am Daniel Greer. I'm the host of the show, and today we have... A Grizzly member with us, and that is Nathan Qualls. What's up, man? What up? What up? What up? I'm still on. I'm still on that high. Yeah. Well, it is 420. So whatever you want to call it, um, we can <laughs> kind of be on whatever high you want to be on today. It's okay. Just go with it, man. Uh, well, and you do live. High. You do live in Colorado, right? No, Salt Lake City. It's pretty much polar opposite of what you're thinking. So. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, not not that kind of high. No, just a pure basketball high. I did not realize it was 420. I'm still in a state of delirium. You're welcome. You're welcome. And why I thought you lived in Colorado, That's that, that one's on me. Um, all right, let's get into the game that happened last night. The Grizzlies absolutely played the best game I've seen them as a team, as a coaching staff. And I'll get more into that later, but mainly the game last night was beautiful. It was 124 to 96 for the good guys, and it was pretty much handled by Ja Morant. He had 23 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds. Unfortunately for us and unfortunately for Ja, Minnesota, they didn't show up. And because they didn't show up, Ja didn't get his triple-double. So we blame them. That's who I'm going to blame. But the rest of the game, Nothing really stands out. Brandon Clark had another 13 points. I continue to hit his number. His number was eight and a half. If you're a gambling person, always go over if it's under nine and a half or lower right now. Uh, But it was kind of a subpar by Kyle Anderson. But the main guy I want to shout out is Xavier Tillman. He had 13 points, seven rebounds, and he was the difference maker in that game. Okay. And with all said and done, Steven Adams only playing his his two minutes and 50 seconds, not really doing much, but having the veteran leadership to say and uh, to tell coach pretty much like, hey, this is all about winning. And so that's really what the whole night kind of goes around is this is a very good team and they're a, a team to be reckoned with, I think, going forward, because this is the team that I think in my mind, we're going to see for the rest of this series and beyond, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's going to be, we're going to get into keys here in a second, but they made adjustments all around. And I think we, we both made a mention of that you now and me last night, that it was not just the players that turn it around. It wasn't just the energy on the court that turn it around the, the decisions made by the coaching staff by Taylor Jenkins and his staff were Phenomenal. And they were tough calls, right? I mean, you've rode with Steven Adams all year long, pretty much no matter what. And he's done a good job all year long, pretty much no matter what. So making the call to put X in and give him those minutes and and find a way to work with that was was huge. So huge adjustments all around. And I I, I imagine the same thing that you imagine, which is that's going to carry over into Minnesota and then come back for Grizzly Five. Yeah, Grizzly Five. Hashtag. I like it. And the thing is, I'm looking at a lot of the Minnesota fans and they're thinking, one, our T-Wolves lead. Okay, let's just be honest. Guys, you want to you call the target center the crib? You really want to call it the crib? For one, the crib. Anthony Edwards is still using the crib still to this day. I get it. Maybe. Maybe that's the thing. I don't know. Um, but we're from Memphis. We've, I've heard that since birth. Okay. That's not new. Okay. Let's just put it out there, Minnesota. This isn't new. This isn't new slang, but you can call the target center of the crib. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to rock you to sleep. And we're going to sing you a bedtime story and we're going to put you out of your misery. Uh, just rock you to sleep, put you to bed. 
See you later. You can go sleep for the rest of the, the playoffs after this. But man, I can't hate Ant though. I no, can't I, hate him. I love him. I, I, I absolutely him. he's the one player on their team I really love. Everybody 100%. else I could do away with. But but Anthony Edwards is that dude. He he is a bad dude. And I think that he will be the only person I do not fade off of this uh Minnesota Timberwolves team going forward with my betting. We always, it always comes back to betting, right? Always, somehow for me. But I will, <laughs> I, I've talked about it and I've worked uh, through some stats this morning. And I think I'm officially going to fade the, the rest of the team outside of uh, Anthony Edwards going forward. Uh, but another guy I want to give a shout out to is Jaron Jackson Jr. He did go 0 of 5 from three point line in the first game. And I think he's looking at a really good future in this series. I think he's kind of got his. Um, I guess his confidence back because that was the big thing that was missing is his confidence. He went four or seven from deep tonight and he looked like more like himself. He wasn't the blocking machine. He had one block. Okay. So go back to normal, but realistically he had four fouls. He wasn't really in foul trouble. Everybody, the entire team, the, the city, uh, the coaches, everybody was in foul trouble. The, the first quarter, it was ridiculous. So <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not going to knock out on him because that was uh, everybody was uh, in foul trouble. So I'm not going to uh, hate on him for that. But anything else you got um, on this team on this game last night? Well, I, first off, that officiating was absurd to the point where I would not be surprised if Adam Silver gave them a call in between the first and the second quarter and said, guys, this is playoff basketball and we're seeing more fouls than we saw in any regular season game. That was I've never wanted to turn off a Grizzlies playoff game before but if that had not been a playoff game I would have turned it off that was absurd but on the Jaron front uh, just a part of what you were saying he only had one block I think he was way more in control this game and so you know he got seven blocks in what like 15 16 minutes his first 16 minutes in game one but I mean he was wild going after everything which is why he had seven blocks but also why he was in foul trouble this Mm -hmm. game he was much more in control and was still impacting the game on the defensive end, but he just wasn't out of control. And so that's why he was able to only have two fouls, which I will take 10 days out of 10 if he's still having his defensive impact and only gets one block. So I thought, Jaron, we'll, we'll go over sort of keys to the game, I think, and what's, what that looks like moving forward. But Jaron is a huge part of that, and I, but no surprise to anyone, right? I mean, his game was much, much better and going to be huge for him moving forward if he can replicate that. Yeah, so looking at the uh, the rest of their team, all right, is there anything that sticks out to you? Because uh, Naj Reed, who has, has played well, in my opinion, and somebody who scares me the most, just because he can rebound and get a little dirty. He can dirty up the game down low and get the actual fouls on people like Jaron, but uh, the rest totally. of the team. He scares me a little bit. Um, I, I'm not too worried about Carl Anthony Towns. If you if you want to go ahead and let him get off, that's fine. The only person that, that scares me that we've talked about and shown our love of is Anthony Edwards. I, I do think he is a guy who, yes, he went four of ten uh, from deep, but let's not get you know go crazy on that because looking at the last game, he was four of eleven. So he went off for thirty six points. Okay, on four of eleven from deep. He went off for 20 points tonight on four of 10 from deep. So the difference is, is that two point game. That's where he was so deadly. The last game is because he was getting into the paint, the free throw line extended, and he was making those jumper all, uh, you know, Dylan Brooks. That's where he likes to get. He was doing his impression and a better, much better impression of Dylan Brooks <laughs> in that first game. And that's why he went off for 36 points. But that's, that's a guy who I think they have to continue to be the same uh, to match up on him consistently. And was that mainly Dylan Brooks last night that was on him? They actually were not putting Dylan on him a ton last night. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I was sort of caught up in the heat of the moment of the game, so I didn't pay attention. And they were switching most stuff. But yeah, I know BC ended up switched on to him a lot and did a really good job. But I saw Bain was guarding him at the beginning of the game again. Um, and I think they what they did was they made Cat – have to beat them and they were just not going to let like you said they were not going to let Edwards just constantly drive into the basket and get that dribble penetration and they were going to contain him and make him hit those tough jump shots which I mean 
credit to him. In game one, he hit some unbelievably yeah. tough shots, right? But I can't remember where I heard this. I was listening to a, a pod yesterday, and they were saying that he still hasn't quite found that jump shot yet. You know, mm-hmm. and that's not a – it's not like KD when he gets to the elbow and it's just knocked down. He's still hit or miss with it. And so if he starts making those tough shots, and there's no way to defend it. But if you make him work for that and you make that be the only way he can score – and then you just say, we're going to make Cat beat us, then you have a great chance because Cat's going to make his mistakes, right? Cat is a mismatch. He is a very talented player. We don't have anyone that matches up with him perfectly. But guess what? He's going to get himself into foul trouble. He's going to barrel through you and get charges. He's going to throw the ball away thinking he's Jokic. So as much as Cat helps him, he will hurt them at the same time. But the only other guy that you didn't mention that just because of the style that the Grizzlies play gives me a little bit of worry. I want to make sure they continue to key in on running him off the line is Malik Beasley. Mm. When Beasley gets going from deep, he just gets on a heater, man. It reminds me of Clarkson in that jazz game towards the, the end of the year. And he was just on one. Right. And he, yeah. when he gets like that, now he's not Clarkson and a creating type of way, but he and being able to just knock down threes and all of a sudden flip, momentum of a game absolutely can be that guy and the Grizzlies just don't have the three-point firepower to give up with that so yes 100% I want them to keep Ant contained and really D'Lo contained just make, get the ball out of D'Lo's hands and make make Cat be the facilitator but being able to run Beasley off the line and I thought they did a really good job of that last night I think is key for them going forward as well can you do all of this as a team because there's a lot of assignments here that we're, that we're breaking down, and I don't want to get into in-depth, okay? I, I don't want to go down and completely do a, a full coaching report on this, so I don't want to go that far. But looking at the things that we're suggesting for this team, okay? So Carl Anthony Towns, my, I've broken him down completely. I watched it last night, and I saw exactly what I thought he was. He's a guy who, if he catches out on the three-point line, he will shoot instantly. If he does not, he is going to drive. He will not reset himself to take another shot from beyond the three-point line unless it's just uh, just outside his normal uh, deal. So once, maybe a game, he, he does actually shoot off the dribble, but most of the time it's on the pass immediately. And after that, he's going to put his head down and drive to the basket. That's what he does. He rarely passes out of the post, actually – Saw it happen once last night because he was double teamed, mm-hmm. but he doesn't pass out of the post much. So I feel like we know who that is. And I feel like our guys can control him without going out of the abnormal. Okay. So exactly. So be, be, besides him, I think he is what he is. I think Xavier Tillman, Carl, um, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, I feel like they all feel comfortable on him. He's going to get his 15 to 20 points. That's fine. He's going to get his double-double, his 10 rebounds. That's fine. Let, let Towns do that. But the other guys I'm looking at is Edwards. What do you do with him? Is it just, you know, he's putting up his 10 or 11 three-pointers in these two games. He's going to shoot 40%. Okay, is, is that we're just going to let him take his shots when he has them because he's going to create them, whether it's a step back or whether he's open. So it's just mm-hmm. making sure you're trying to give him a little bit of a face, maybe run him in off the line more. Is it that? Is it the same thing with D'Angelo Russell? Like, are we going to still con- be able to continue to guard him as well as then we have Malik Beasley that we're talking about running him off the three-point line? There's a lot that's happening, okay? And that's what I want, you know, the, the listener to actually understand. There's so much that's actually happening on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. It's not just stay in front of your guy. It's literally, I would rather you go past me than take that shot. And so mm-hmm. – are the Grizzlies able to do all of that at the same time still and play good defense? I think so. And here, and here's the reason. I think that it's the same thing we were talking about a second ago. If Ant's going to beat you, make it be through just unbelievable shot making, right? Which he did. That first game, he did that. He made unbelievable shots. But you saw last night, he got on a bit of a heater towards the end of the third. But before that, he was not having an efficient night at all. And so I like what they're doing with putting Dylan on D'Lo because D'Lo is probably the best playmaker creator that they have on their team, um, making plays, setting his teammates up for success. And Dylan is the best one-on-one defender that can help sort of negate that. 
than what happened with Edwards and what I saw last night and what I think is going to be the key to containing him is if he started to try and drive, they just brought another guy. As the first hint of an Edwards drive, they brought another guy and made him pass the ball and get out of his hands, and the rest of the team was ready for that rotation. And then as they're able to reset and make somebody else beat you that's not him as far as that drive, and if they're going to kick it to whoever, you have a guy that's stuck on Beasley, stuck on D'Lo, whatever that may be. But other than that, there's a fourth guy to rotate because if it's a Beverly, if it's a Torreon Prince, if it's a Jared Vanderbilt, those are three guys that if they take the shot on possession, you're winning, right? That's a win. And so I think they're able to do that well because it's Dylan on D'Lo. Cat is going to be Cat. He's just he's too predictable to be a tough mm. defensive assignment, right? Like he can beat you on talent. Yeah. Same thing as Edwards. If he just makes a good shot, then he makes a good shot. But as far as scheming, he's not hard to scheme for because he's predictable. Like you said, the only time he passes out the post is if you bring a double. Right. It's the only time he's going to pass out the post. And guess what? He's always going to try and do a cross-court pass when you double him in the post. That's what he does. And then you just make Edwards dish it or take a hard shot. After mm-hmm. that, the rest of the scheme takes care of itself. So I absolutely yeah. think they can do that. And I thought they did an amazing job of that last night. And I thought that's why the team that was, what, the number one scoring team in the league mm-hmm. just second half of this year or, or whole year? I know it's been it was, the second half for sure. Whatever it was, yeah. held them under 100 points, right? And yeah. that scheme, I think, will win them as many games as they want against the Wolves. So. Yeah. I definitely think it's sustainable. All right. Uh, last thing I'm going to say, and this is on Anthony Edwards, um, and this is literally crazy to me. The first game from two point, he went eight of 12. From the second game, three of six. He's still shooting good. And, mm-hmm. and yes, those might be, you know, a couple of those might be dunks that he had. But realistically, he still shoots at a good percentage when you run him off of the line. So, just looking at that, he could have went six of 12, right? And that's, you know, and that's still six more points. But it's not the big momentum swing. And that's what mm-hmm. I want people to understand. Like, you can look at those numbers and go eight of 12. Like, that's, that's good. The three-pointer, the dunk, okay? I'm not saying that they're so awesome, so much better than a normal pull-up uh, DeMar DeRozan two, okay? It's still, it's still two points. It's still good. The momentum that you get from a hammer dunk, from a three-point, it just it's different. The feel of it's different. The mojo it gives you is different. And so that's why I think it can be a big momentum swing when he can get off. And so that's what I just want people to see because the numbers are there. He's eight of twelve from the, you know, from two and three of six. Those are still great numbers. I think he should have shot more. He didn't. Is that defensive scheme? Maybe. He still only had one assist. So um it's hard to break that down. I will be going back and watching the game again today. I just recorded it. I haven't seen the uh, the video version of it. I've only saw what I saw from my angle. Wasn't the best. If you want to give me tickets, I'm here. You can hit me up. DMs are open. But let's get into uh, going forward. We've hit pretty much on going forward, but let's talk about the schemes, the rotations. Steven Adams. Nathan, if you're the coach, what are you doing? Game three, you got five people. They're called the starters, and you got to put them out first. They get their names called. They get a big entrance. It's all big whoop-de-doo. Who are those five names? I know four. Give me the last one. See, this is one of those reasons why I'm not an NBA coach. <laughs> that, this is just tough, man. I mean, he has been your guy all year, and obviously this is not his series, but it's – Going away from him when it's not working, which is what Taylor did last night, is one thing. Completely pulling him out is a whole nother thing. Is it the right thing? Maybe. Probably. I would probably say going with Tillman is the right call, but I don't know, man. That's that's a tough call to completely pull him out of the rotation entirely. I don't think – you don't have to worry about the ego thing with Adams. That's not going to come into play. We all saw the quote that he he had last night with Coach, we won. Whatever you want me to do, I'll I'll do. Right. And he knows that this is not the best matchup for him, right? It's no secret. But do you put him back in and see if he does all right? And then in the first five minutes, it's not looking right, and you pull him out again. I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, going with Tillman's probably the right call. But I don't know. I, I just don't know. I really couldn't tell you. It's it's a tough call. It's a tough call. 
I don't understand why it's so tough. Like I asked for an answer and I didn't get one. I say, I say they stick with Adams again in game three to start. And then it's going to go back to Tillman quick again. I think that's what's going to happen. This is called radio silence. You're saying, let me get this straight. The guy who in the first game got taken advantage of the Grizzlies lost by 13 points and he played 24 minutes of zero points, three rebounds, three assists, four foul basketball. Okay. And then you come in the next night. We're going to start you. It's a normal thing to do. I would agree. Starting him game two was probably the right decision. He played three minutes and uh, two fouls and an assist. Okay. Um, if you had his unders, yeah, you're welcome. Follow us on Discord at Bet the Lead. They're always going to be there. If you see an Adam number, we're going under 100%. All right, so you're saying, and I just want to get this straight, that Xavier Tillman should be the starter, like the starting center in this series going forward. Uh, not forward, for game three. We'll just say, I'm sorry, you said Stephen Adams. I apologize. But you would think going to Xavier Tillman at some point and maybe do something very similar to what we just had in game two. Is that what you're saying? I think that's what's going to happen. But I think it's what should happen now. I think ah. Tillman I think Tillman should start. But I think also based off what we know about Taylor Jenkins, he tends to stick with his guys. And Steven has been so – it's not one of those things where Adams has been like off and on all year. He's been there all year. It's not like a, okay, we've been sort of going back and forth between this. Tillman has not been in the rotation at all. Adams has I think he starts Adams I think it plays out just like it did in game two I think he gets beat up it's not looking good and they go to Tillman pretty quick and I think that's what's going to happen and then after that I could see a game four okay we're just going to start Tillman now now I think they should start Tillman I think they're going to start Adams let me be clear I think Tillman's the right answer it was pretty clear he was the best matchup they had against Towns but yeah. I don't think that he will start. I think it will be Adams, and same thing. After three, five minutes, it's going to be a bit rough. Go to Tillman. Okay. So I'm going to give you another thought process. And this is what I think I would do um, as, a, as an adjustment, if it was me. Uh, this is the adjustment I think I would make if I was the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. And – Literally, I, I'm just going to talk through this. I haven't thought about this. I didn't think about the question really until I asked you. Um, I wanted to just kind of get it off the cuff and just kind of see if we could talk our way through being fans, but also, you know, part of media and kind of just working through the thought process of a head coach who's uh, the same age as me. Um, I'm looking at a, a team that works well together. I don't think there's many egos to the point where I think, they have one goal in mind. And with that being said, I would look at starting Brandon Clark. I think it's your best lineup, in all honesty. Uh, if you have a Brandon Clark next to Jaron, I think both can play well on Carl Anthony Towns. I have, no, I have no problem with that at all. I think Xavier Tillman gives you a little bit more fleet-footed uh, Steven Adams. Uh, he's not the big defensive rebounder that Steven Adams is, but he does have a lot of energy that he can bring. Um, but I think what I would do is I would bring in Brandon Clark in this series, have him be the starter. But then there's usually a guy they call Nas Reed. His biggest thing is rebounding, offensive rebounding, getting boards, putbacks. That's what he's good at. He did hit two three-pointers tonight, okay? That's not going to happen on a consistent basis. I would bring in Steven Adams off the bench, and I would match him and pair him up in limited minutes with somebody like Nas Reed, especially in the first half. The reason is because you get better in leadership. They've been playing with him all year. Is this a one-hit wonder for Xavier Tillman? I don't know. A lot of people like uh, Xavier Tillman. I love him. He's a great player. He can be a glue guy type player on, a, on the end of a bench, a backup role. But I think I would just still go to Steven Adams and see if this allows him to be the best version of himself. It's a 15-minute role. 
You're playing alongside and opposite of Naj Reed, but you don't have to play opposite of him the whole time because obviously they're going to look to come at you with switches. That's the biggest thing. If he is on the court, you cannot just switch. You can't switch straight off onto another guy because that's the whole reason he's not on the court. Okay. But also just looking at it, we know that Carnathan Towns is going to play 35 to 43 minutes. Like he's going to play close to 40 minutes almost every game. And with that being said, there's only eight minutes left if he's playing 40. And will Carl Anthony Towns take advantage of him during those uh, minutes that they're on the court at the same time together? Maybe. Uh, but I think I would give him a shot at coming off the bench opposite of Nasri. That way, maybe you can help out on rebounding and help your guys relax just for a second, because I think that's important. I could see that being good. I like that idea. I had not thought about bringing him off the bench at all. In my head, what I was seeing was Tillman being sort of a one-for-one swap, right? You put him in for Adams, and then your bench unit stays the same. Your bench unit that did really, really well stays the same and keeps thriving. But bringing in Adams off the bench to match up with Reed, I still would worry a little bit about the three ball just because he's he's not a great three-point shooter. You know, he's never going to be in the three-point contest like Towns, but he's consistent. He's a good three-point shooter, a decent three-point shooter, you know, and so – I do worry about that a little bit, but it does bring that that sort of X factor of his rebounding back into it, right? And being able to be a machine. And then he could bully Reed down low, right? Exactly. So there's there, that's a good idea. I had not thought about that. I still, I still wonder if they would rather do the one-for-one swap. If I would rather do the one-for-one swap, sorry. But uh, I, I don't know. I like that. I need to think about that more. Yeah, looking at uh, Reed's numbers from beyond the arc, uh, he doesn't play a lot of minutes uh, when he does play. Sometimes he doesn't shoot three. Sometimes he does. You have to go all the way back into January to find him actually hitting uh, three or more three-pointers. Okay? He has not – he's not a volume shooter. So, with that being said, he could – if Nas Reed wants to take three-pointers – that's what we want as a Grizzlies coaching staff, as Grizzlies fans. If you want to live and die by Naj Reed and you think that he's going to go 5 of 10 from deep, so be it. We don't care. Shoot as much as you want, Ben Simmons. Like, that's really how the, the conversation goes usually. And so I feel comfortable with that. That allows you to play off of Reed, okay? You might get picked at that point. He's coming up a little bit. As soon as you can get over under on the pick, he drops back defense and you're helping out in the lane and being that help defender that really they need. I know Xavier Tillman can do somewhat the same thing, but I do believe that being there and being someone who can pass as well as Steven Adams can pass, I think that is very, very good for this team because you get the ball out of Jaws hands sometimes, you give it to, you give it to Adams and he's allowed to uh, facilitate a little bit more uh, than just his one assist. You know what else I love about your Brandon Clark in the starting lineup, now that I'm thinking about it, is Vanderbilt starts with him, right? So you basically put Jaron in that Giannis free safety type of role. The first game. Yep. Dude. Yep. Dude. And then he just comes in, and what's Towns is going to get frustrated, and he's just going to barrel through Brandon Clark, get an offensive foul. That'll be his second, I'm sure. I like that. If they'll yeah. actually call it, I don't know. He has just trucked through about three dudes already and not gotten called for anything until finally it was a six foot guard. Yeah. <laughs> he had to run over to get the charge call. But yeah, I like that. I, the more that I'm thinking about that, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. I'm going to look through the advanced stats and see um, how well that lineup has played together. Uh, but in oh, all man. honesty, I, I like Brandon Clark in that position. But okay. But even if, they want to remove Steven Adams out of the game. I'm, I'm okay with that. There, there is no way in my mind, in my world, that I start Steven Adams. Zero. You've already made the tough decision to bench him after three minutes. You didn't try to go back to him. You literally had the conversation. You're not playing this entire first quarter. You get into halftime. Hey, you're not going to start. You're actually not going to play the rest of the game. You've had the hard decision. 
Okay. The writings are the wall. At this point, if you go back to him and you had to make that decision again, that's more embarrassing. And that's, and that's tougher to swallow as a player than that one time saying, Hey, let's move you out of the lineup. Okay. If you want to have the conversation of, Hey, you don't match up well in that position as being the starting center on this team because of this and this and this reason. Okay. It's not all, all of you, but the way our team is made, you aren't the same. Perfect. We're going to move you to the bench and we're going to bring you in for 14 to 18 minutes a game for that good hard punch of rebounding, facilitating. And that way you can be the best on your, on your feet defensively because you're not playing 30 plus minutes. You're playing 15 minutes. Go all out for 15 minutes if you want to do that. Worst case, just swap out Xavier Tillman and, and Brandon Clark's roles. Brandon Clark for Steven Adams' roles. Steven Adams is done for the series for the most part, unless you need a backup big because somebody gets in trouble. How awesome would that be? Somebody gets in trouble, a la Jaron. You just bring in Steven Adams for a good 10-minute punch, give him a break, and you feel even more comfortable because you're not having to go to Tillman. You're going to somebody like Steven Adams. Well, let me be clear about one thing. That job, Bain, Brooks, Clark, Jaron lineup is mm-hmm. the Grizzlies version of a death lineup. Yeah. I mean, that they I don't know what their numbers are, but I can tell you just by the eye test and the numbers I saw earlier in the year match that eye test. They were unbelievable. So I'm with you on that being their best lineup. It's just one of those things where it's their best lineup, but still it feels better if they work their way to it throughout the game type thing. Yeah. But thinking about what you've been saying, I do like that. On the and on the Adams front, I just I guess part of me always expects Taylor to sort of stick to what he's been doing. But listen, we already saw last night it's in the playoffs. He's willing to make the adjustments and not do what he's done all year. So uh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. In my head, I see him still sticking with Adams at the beginning, but maybe not. not. And listen, he showed last night he's not afraid to make the tough call. So here's hoping. Like I said, I think either way, whether it's Clark or Tillman putting them in there, I think it's the right call to swap someone out. So uh, we'll see. Either way, again, there's a reason that we're not the NBA coaches. I trust this staff to to make a good decision. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. Do you, would you rather have Clark and Tillman playing more minutes together or would you rather have Anderson and Tillman playing more minutes together? Anderson and Tillman. Why? I think because Tillman's a little undersized defensively. And Anderson, while, I mean, Clark's obviously a great rebounder and a good defender in his own right, Kyle's a little more versatile on mm-hmm. defense. He can kind of swap from a guard to a – four to uh the big guy it doesn't really matter and that will help with Tillman on the help defense because whether it's Reed I don't know how big Reed is but I'm pretty sure he's bigger than X and obviously Towns is bigger than X and having them together is going to help defensively and you're not losing any shooting by swapping Kyle for Brandon there right normally the only lineups I don't want Kyle in our lineups where we don't have Melton or Bain or somebody out there somebody to kick out for a shooter um, but if you were doing a one for one, Kyle for Brandon, your shooting actually goes up on the outside, right? So, yeah, um, I would rather see Kyle with Tillman, okay? And that was my question. And that's the reason is because a lot of these uh players they're either brought in together or they're they end up playing more alongside of each other. You obviously are allowing your guys, um, uh, even though they haven't yet in this series because they haven't had to, but your starters are going to go 35 to 40 minutes at some point, um, as long as they can stay out of foul trouble. and the game kind of goes that direction. Um, mm-hmm. Quick trivia. Dylan Brooks had 26 minutes tonight. Okay. I'm not going to talk about a shooting. He had four assists. That's, that's fine. That's a Dylan number. That's okay. One rebound. Can you name the other two players that got more rebounds than him and played five or less minutes? From last night? From last night's game. Conchar. Conchar. Culver. Conchar had two in his five minutes. 21 less minutes than Dylan Brooks. Jared Culver. 21 less minutes. Had three rebounds. Let the record show I was about to cheat. I chose not to. And did not look at the box score. Well, I just think of who in the world came off the bench only played five minutes is what I was. (laughs) I figured that'd be an easy one. But just. Hey, Dylan Brooks. Let's. 
wasn't a great efficient shooting night, but it was an in-the-flow offensive night for Dylan. Can I get that? Can I at least get that from you? No. What do no. you mean? He did not do anything to to really help outside of his defense. Did he take any bad shots? Did he take any bad shots, Daniel? I don't the answer remember. Is yes, he took one. I don't he took, remember. He took one fadeaway mid-range early in the shot clock. I'm not even no Dylan. No, I worry about his, his shot selection, right? I do worry about it, but I also think that he is a, at this point, he's one of the more, you know, the player that has been on this team one of the longest, if not, I think he is the longest. Okay. He should know the style of this offense. He should know his role at this point. My issue is yes. Is he playing on somebody like the facts uh, of D'Angelo Russell, and he's shutting him down for the most part, okay? I'm happy with that. I am just simply saying that the excuse for the rebounding in the first game was that the shots were were going and shooting too far out over our main rebounder's head, and that's why they got more second-chance points, okay? He had one rebound. I could play 26 minutes. And I am nowhere near as good as any player that will ever walk on the NBA court. I could figure out a way to get more than one rebound in 26 minutes. I'm just saying it's an effort stat. It's an effort stat. He needs to be more accessible to try and get a rebound. That's all I'm saying. I do not hate on Dylan Brooks because I don't like him as a player. I don't like his style. I don't. I'm not. I'm just saying he had one rebound. He had one. Literally one. Like, I don't understand. What are you doing in the game that you have one rebound? Are you looking at your friends on the on the side? Like, are you are you hanging out with the guy who just shot? Are you boxing him out all the way to the half court and you cannot get the ball because it's not a hard enough rebound? It's Dylan Brooks, so he might be boxing him out all the way to the half court. Never in my life that I think I'd hear someone attack Dylan Brooks because he wasn't trying too hard. It's <laughs> also he is a try hard. But now we've gone over to the other side, and all of a sudden he's not trying hard enough. No, he doesn't do the little things, is my opinion. He played 35 minutes last game, one rebound. The dude has as many rebounds in the two games total as John Conchar has in this series in his five minutes that he played. I'm just saying it's an effort play. Okay, Maybe, maybe. I I would have to go back and look at the film, which I won't do, but – you won't yet. Yeah, it's one play. He gets a rebound each game. One play. I thought this was a good Dylan Brooks game. I thought this was a good Dylan Brooks game from two ways. Obviously, he didn't shoot the lights out or do anything crazy offensively, but he did make good reads and he good went three of eleven. Let's just be honest. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but he did have good reads and good drop offs to his teammates on drives, and he took one shot that's out of the flow of the offense. All his looks were good looks. They were good looks from three. They were the kind of threes that when Dylan shoots them, I say, okay, that's a good Dylan look. It's not the step back, okay, I'm just I pounding the ball into the ground for 14 seconds and take a shot, which is all you're going to ask of from Dylan Brooks. And then he played good, hard defense. And so maybe he's not giving the effort on these rebounds. I don't know. But I, I'm not going to knock him for that because he's always playing crazy hard defense, and we still out-rebounding them by eight. I'm – I'm not mad about it. I don't know where that came from to try and pick on him about that. But I thought Dylan showed some growth last night as far as I'm going to stay in the rhythm. I'm not going to go play hero ball. So I was happy to see that. But we'll get on a tangent. We could argue about this all day. So I'm glad you're happy about it. All right, let's get off of that. and Let's uh, head into Thursday. The Grizzlies take on the Timberwolves. Game three, Thursday at 630 Central. Grizzlies are favored by one and a half. Okay. Three-point swing usually uh, for a home court that should be closer to a three and a half or a two and a half because of the way that's been going with it, whether it's a, the Grizzlies at home or a six and a half favorite or a seven and a half favorite, depending on uh, when the when the lines came out. Do you think that's a, um, a, a fair line? Do you think it's a, just pretty much a 50-50 game at this point? No, but I think it's probably a fair line from Vegas. I, it's, but I I imagine the Grizzlies come in. I would take alternate points on that. Okay, I would I would take them probably four and a half, 
I mean, if I, I'm a bold better. I'm not necessarily <laughs> a smart better. So on my head, I'm thinking six and a half, honestly, but I think four and a half is a good number for them in that. I just, we, we saw them come alive in that last game. And I think Vegas is sort of playing the split series, taking it back to Minnesota. Whereas I look at it more of a Grizzlies team that was sort of sleepwalking through a first game and then a Grizzlies team that played like the Grizzlies in the second game. So I think it'd be a better game than it was. I would say four and a half is the points I would take on that. Okay. Um, any adjustments you see happening from Minnesota going into game three? Because obviously it's a game of adjustments. The Grizzlies made their adjustment. And I think it was one of the best adjustments you can make is taking out one of your veterans and just benching him for the game uh, with Steven Adams. So um, even though the other coach, Coach Finch, thinks he kind of lucked into it, I guess we'll say that Taylor Jenkins lucked into playing Xavier Tillman. So now who knows what the Grizzlies do? I would imagine that Adams is on a bench or he's swapping out completely with Xavier Tillman and, uh, and Xavier Tillman's coming off the bench. Any adjustments you see Minnesota that they might make uh, into this game? I don't think so as far as moving lineups around. I could see them taking Beverly out kind of early. Mm. Beverly sort of became a non-factor in that game. He wasn't really – I mean, he wasn't doing anything stellar on defense. Obviously, offensively, he's – not a plus for them. I I would be interested to see if they start to try and put the ball in Delo's hands a little bit more. I mean, he had 11 shots, four assists, I think two, yeah, two turnovers last night. But it didn't feel like the ball was in his hands very much. You know, it felt like they were moving it around, and if it got stuck in somebody's hands, it was either Cat or Ant, whereas – Throughout the regular season, it felt like D'Lo had the ball in his hands a lot and was making things happen. I would be interested to see, and I would anticipate them trying to go back to more of that him in a true like point guard role and then see if they can play off of that more and let him create more. Um, which, I mean, I would welcome. Listen, I think that what he did in the regular season against us was sort of a, an, an exception, not, not the yeah. rule. But um, – I think the ball was has been not and has been out of his hands a surprising amount this this series, which sort of makes sense after the first game, I guess, because Ant really went off and was really putting it to the Grizz. So maybe that was a conscious effort to keep feeding him the ball, and he's going to be their guy in the future, no doubt about it. But right now, D'Lo, you can see, is sort of the one that's composed. He is not overwhelmed by the moment. I would see if they put the ball in his hands a little bit more, but. Outside of that, I, I really can't think of anything. Beasley still played a decent amount last night. Um, I, like I said, I think he can be a, a big factor for them if he gets hot from deep, but that's the only thing I see. I think they'll give D'Lo the ball a little bit more in the next game, but as far as out, adjustments outside of that, I can't really think of anything. Yeah, I really do think it's all about just energy within the team because uh, the Timberwolves came out and played with more energy the first game. They won the game. The Grizzlies came out, played with more energy. Uh, even the, it was pretty much a battle through the first quarter, battling within yourself, within the refs. Once you got past that and the second quarter was there, the Grizzlies turned it up and they went on a, you know, they pretty much outscored them 27 to 17. Like they played much, you know, much better defense. They were out, able to rally themselves and actually getting back into their game faster than the Timberwolves. I think the Timberwolves came out a little sluggish and getting out of that second quarter. You know what I wonder? And it reminds me of what the guys on TNT said after the, the play and win for the Wolves is what well, I think, I think it was Shaq. It was either Shaq or Chuck said, I'm going to bet on talent in this series. I'm wondering if that's what the Wolves are thinking and trying to make sure Ant has the ball because there's two guys that can be the best player on the court in this series. And it's Ant and it's Ja. And I'm wondering if they're thinking they don't – their chance to win is if Edwards is going off and gives their team exactly what you're talking about, which is that energy and that confidence. And everybody plays off of that. And mm-hmm. that's why D'Lo doesn't have the ball as much because Ant's the guy that gets them that excitement. He's the one that gets those dunks and makes those crazy shots, right? Like yeah. the Jaws step back three last night was a moment where I, I personally was like, okay, that's it. That's game over. Once he hit that three, I'm like, that's – the Grizzlies are riding this one all the way to the end. I wonder if they're betting on that for Ant, and that's been the conscious effort to give him the ball instead of D'Lo. Yeah, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I think the game could go so many different directions. I really do. Uh, yeah. But I really think that when it comes down to it, the Grizzlies have versatility and they can play in so many different ways. If you want to play big, the Grizzlies can play as big as you want to play. If you want to play slow, the Grizzlies can pound it out and do a grit and grind style. And they're going to, to do that. If you want to get up and down the court, they're fine doing that. If you want to go small, they're okay doing that. I don't think the Timberwolves can get out of their own, I guess, path that they already are at right now. I think that they have their four guys are 100% starting. I think they have Jared Vanderbilt, who they're going to continue to start. He only played nine minutes last night, 19 minutes the first game. I know that's their, their bugaboo, we'll say. But they also have these other guys. Like, what are these other guys going to do when they come on the court? I don't know if that's really the position that they make the change is with that. Is it that much that Jarrett Vanderbilt's hurting them? I really don't think, I think it's about scheme for them. And if they can figure out a a scheme that catches the Grizzlies off guard and gets momentum, that's the only way that they're going to win these games, in my opinion, because if the Grizzlies have coached for a certain schemes and whatever, and they, and they know how to defend whatever offense they might throw at them, whatever kind of difference they might change. If it's not personnel, it has to be scheme. And I think the Grizzlies are coached well enough, and these Grizzlies are versatile enough. Even if it does punch them in the mouth, I think they can go to the bench and find the right group to, to make the changes. So, so going forward, I feel really good about this. Now that they play with that energy, they just have to play with energy. And within this game, nobody really played a lot of minutes. They traveled probably last night, I would imagine. You go ahead and hop on the plane. You get there. They have a day of rest today. And the Grizzlies play Thursday at 6.30. And then they play again Saturday uh, at the 9 o'clock game. Okay? Just want everybody to realize that they're on the early game on Thursday at 6.30 on TNT. Then they go Saturday night on ESPN, 9 o'clock Central. So it's a very, very late game. I really think that we have the younger team, our guys you know they're going to be up. It's 9 o'clock. For them, eh, it's party time. Why not? That's prime it, time. Prime time. All right. Anything you else, else you got for this game? Any prediction you want to give? Oh, man. I wish you'd ask me these questions before we hopped on here. Nah. It's a I'm 5.30 game going into Minnesota. 6.30 game central. Local. Sorry, 5.30. 5.30. Your time. In exile land where yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, not Colorado, Utah. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be physical. I can't, I, I can't imagine a world where the officiating stays the same as it's been in the first wow. two games. I, yeah. I, surely they'll let the boys play. So I think it'll be a little lower scoring. I think what I say, I felt comfortable with earlier, four and a half, four and a half stick with my four and a half number. I think it'll be Grizz. 113 Wolves 108. Woo! I like it. Um, I, I think it's going to be a 117 110 win for the Grizzlies. The good guys win again, go up two games, uh, two games to one on them. I think it's a seven point win. I don't know why. Somehow that, that number came in my mind, but I do think that the Grizzlies uh, put it on defensively. Um, as long as they can weather the storm early on, that Minnesota crowd, very underrated. Okay, very underrated. They were absolutely just going crazy during that play-in game. So shout out to uh, to the Minnesota fans um, because I think that they're going to to show up and show out. I just think that if you can weather the storm early, everything starts settling down. I, I think the Grizzlies can get back into their game. But uh, but want to give a shout out to all of our uh, our fans over uh, New New uh, Zealand, Australia. There's a lot of people that watch this show uh, as well as Canada. Um, we are a big fan of Steven Adams. If you are a, a Kiwi over there, we're a big <laughs> fan of him. Uh, so don't get discouraged if you're listening to this and we're kind of uh, pushing out Steven Adams to the pasture. We're not. It's just, just a uh, bad matchup for him. The matchup, if the Grizzlies do win going forward, I like Steven Adams against Golden State. I really do. I like Steven Adams even in a role against Denver. I don't know if he, you know, if he would be the main person there, but I, I think that Golden State's going to win that matchup already. So I don't worry about that too much. I'm not looking too far ahead, but I don't think that means that Steven Adams is gone for the entire playoffs if they were to make it past the series. So 
Uh, but I want to give a shout out to everybody listening, uh, whether you're overseas um, and you're American or whether you're not and you just really like uh, Grizzlies basketball. It's catching on. It's like wildfire, man. And uh, it's kind of like crack. Once you get a little bit of a uh, little Grizzlies basketball, man, you can't get off of it. Speaking from experience, man. Never had crack. I just heard about it. <laughs> Googled it once. All right. That's all we got. Nathan, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MemGrizHomer. That is right. <laughs> it is at MemGrizHomer. And I act like that's my, my Twitter handle as well. Um, I just released uh, an article just before this, um, before the series started. Morant Grizzlies not interested in waiting their turn. The article over there just talking about Grizzlies and their approach to the playoffs here. I know Daniel released a little who is Memphis piece as well. So definitely some good stuff, some some stuff to get you hyped up over there at Grizzlead at the lead.com, leadsm.com. Sorry. But yeah, at Memgris Homer on Twitter. I um I get a little heated. So Grizzlead are for tame takes. Memgris Homer, you get all your spicy takes. So come find me. My title was Memphis means more than just another small market. Uh, but go check it out over at theleadsm.com. Just go to the NBA West tab, uh, scroll down, you'll see the Grizzlies there. All of our articles from the entire season are there, uh, but make sure you come back and check out the podcast. Uh, we're going to have some more uh, fun things coming up as we go throughout the playoffs. But with that being said, you know we have another one coming up. We'll have another release. The podcast will be breaking down Thursday's game and reviewing the game that's upcoming on Saturday. So make sure you tune in on Friday. It'll be around the same time, noonish, is when we try to release these. Uh, today's, uh, if you're hearing this, probably a little bit later than normal. If you're hearing from the first time right away, so uh, it's been a it was a late night last night. I had to get my wife's oil changed this morning, so it was a early morning as well. So uh, a lot going on. Nathan, thanks for coming in. You can follow me at Daniel Greer on Twitter. Follow the Grizz lead at Grizz underscore lead. And make sure you be nice and tell your friends.